Welcome to Clear Thinking Out Loud, written and narrated by Mark Tyrrell of Uncommon Knowledge. Hi, I'm Mark Tyrrell of Uncommon Knowledge, and welcome to Working with Resistant Clients, Three Tried and Tested Tips, How to Transform Resistance into a Force for Change. So halfway through our first session, I was so frustrated with a client called Harry uh, that I felt like asking him to leave. You know, I'd offer a strategy to help him quit smoking. You know, uh, many of my clients, I've said, have found that. And almost before I could finish my sentence, he'd retort with a head shake. No, nah, that won't work for me. I know it. So I said to him, you know, so you found that you feel the urge to smoke more when the stress is high at work. And that's just what he'd said to me. Um, so I'd say that sort of summarizing what he'd said, but he'd shake his head and he'd say, no, 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 that's not it at all, Mark. You know, I feel much more like smoking when I have uh, have lots of meetings and a busy day at the office. So whatever I said, even if it was what he had just said himself, he'd disagree with. Even when it came time to do the hypnosis part of our session, Harry initially stayed alert and couldn't or wouldn't relax. And this was quite early in my career, and I hadn't yet encountered much resistance, really, or or many resistant clients, who didn't at least attempt to engage with my therapeutic interventions. So I took a few calming breaths of my own to resist an increasing desire to push Harry out of the door, or perhaps the window, and then I suddenly found myself thinking about Aikido, a martial art I'd studied in the past. So therapeutic martial arts. So if someone pushes you should you push back? In some martial arts, the answer is no. Those fighting styles teach that when your opponent pushes, you use their energy, you pull. And when they pull, you push. Rather than resisting the force of your opponent's energy and conflicting with it, you direct it and help them in becoming more acquainted with the mat. But we can do this in therapy by working with our client's resistance to help them rise above what's troubling them. So there's a risk that we might see clients as being resistant when they're just disagreeing with us. But Harry was quite clearly pushing back against everything I offered quite automatically. So I had to figure out how to pull, okay, if he was pushing. So here are three things I did that can help you also deal with resistance in your clients. So number one, don't take it personally. It's perhaps natural to find yourself becoming uh, exasperated or frustrated, as I was with Harry, when your client seems to balk at everything you say. But when I stopped to think about how to make progress in that session, I realized I could see this kind of behavior as an opportunity and a bonus. Why? Because resistance, whatever it's focused on, is energy. And just like that pushing and pulling energy. And all energy and motivation can be managed and used in therapy. And I'll talk more about that in tip three. So when I relaxed and stopped pushing against Harry's resistance, I was able to figure out how to redirect his energy. And we started making progress together in the same direction. So the more relaxed, detached, objective and calm you can be when a client demonstrates contrariness, the more effective you'll be in helping them. Number two, see what's behind it. One way to help yourself feel more objective about what seems to be resistant behavior is to understand what may lie behind it. People display resistant behavior for various reasons, including habit. You know, they may uh, live with someone with whom they are in constant conflict. 
Okay, so they've just got in the habit of always being in conflict. Or perhaps they work in or were brought up in an environment in which they have or had to constantly fight and they haven't yet settled into non-conflicting, uh, a non-conflicting role. Status may be another reason. Maybe they have an unsatisfied but unconscious primal human need for status and see everything, every interaction as a tussle for supremacy. If this is the case, we may need to ensure that they feel this need is met before we can get down to other therapeutic work with them. Anxiety. They may be seeking a sense of security and control through insisting on having everything on their terms and may be coming across as a control freak. Harry was working in a underappreciated role. He felt overqualified for the company that was threatening, threatening to lay people off. So it was understandable that he'd feel somewhat anxious about his future and ability to gain status. Okay. Appreciating that there's always something behind the resistance, whether it's anxiety, out of control, competitive, competitiveness, or merely the habit of contrariness means you have a chance of handling it effectively rather than just emotionally reacting against it by becoming upset or angry yourself. Okay. Tip number three, use the resistance. And in fact, don't just use it, positively encourage it. If you read the case studies of the psychiatrist Milton Erickson, you'll see that time and time again, he encouraged the so-called resistance of his patients, seeing it not as a problem, but as a vital energy that could, if properly directed, actually help the client. And this is a core principle on our How to Stop Anyone Smoking course, where we show video footage of a woman telling me that she's trying not to resist the hypnosis. And that I then ask her not to try to be more compliant, but to try to resist even more. I then go on to talk about how hypnotic cigarettes can can be sometimes, and how she can really ramp up her resistance to those hypnotic cigarettes. So we actually want our clients to be resistant, but only to what is really undermining them. So a chronic smoker's or drinker's resistance needs to be encouraged, harnessed, and then directed toward what has been destroying them. Not the therapist or the therapy or change itself, but the cigarettes and the booze. Recognizing that Harry tended to see things in terms of a tussle, I redirected my aim of relaxing him by suggesting, now, Harry, I don't want you to relax too quickly. Now that I seem to be saying don't relax too fast, if Harry was to continue to resist automatically, as he'd been doing so, he'd need to relax quickly. And he did. So within moments, his eyes closed and he started to settle down into that, to uh, the hypnotic state where he'd be able to address his smoking more effectively. Because as Milton Erickson said on the subject of effective trance induction, uh, which really can be applied to all effective therapy, whatever the behavior offered by the subjects, it should be accepted and utilized to develop further responsive behavior. So any attempt to correct or alter the subject's behavior or to force them to do things they're not interested in militates against trance induction and certainly deep trance experience. So those were Erickson's words. So I hope you found that useful. I'm Mark Tyrrell of Uncommon Knowledge. And if you'd like to subscribe to my email newsletter, you can find it over at unk, that's unk.com slash blog.